an impact in our life in the name of Jesus. So tonight we're looking at Proverbs chapter 22 and um, let's go ahead and read the word of God from Proverbs 22, 1 to the end. I think it's 28 or 29 verses, 29 verses. The scripture please. Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. The rich and poor have this in common. The Lord made them both, and a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. True humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life. Corrupt people walk a thorny, treacherous road. Whoever values life will avoid it. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Those who plant injustice will harvest disaster, and their reign of terror will come to an end. Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Throw out the mocker, and fighting goes to quarrels and insults will disappear. Whoever loves a pure heart and gracious speech will have the king as a friend. The Lord preserves those with knowledge, but he ruins the plans of the treasures. The lazy person claims, there's a lion out there. If I go out, I might be killed. The mouth of the immoral woman is dangerous trap. Those who make the Lord angry will fall into it. A young star's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. A person who gets ahead by oppressing the poor or by sharing gifts on the rich will end in poverty. Listen to the words of the wise. Apply your heart to my instruction, for it is good to keep this saying in your heart and always ready on your lips. I am teaching you today, yes, you, so you will trust in the Lord and have written 30 sayings for you, filled with advice and knowledge. In this way, you may know the truth and take an accurate report to those who sent you. Don't rob the poor just because you can, or exploit the needy in court. For the Lord is is their defender. He will ruin anyone who ruins them. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for those, for someone else. If you can't pay it, even if your bed will be snatched from under you, don't cheat your neighbor by moving the ancient boundary markers set up by previous generations. Do you see any true competent workers They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. May the Lord bless his holy words in the name of Jesus. If you look at that verse 1, if you go and read it in um, KJV version, it says that a good name is better than silver and riches. 
So tonight, our open question says that um, at any point in life, there might have been somebody that you admire so much and you wish to be like them. And, um, and I want us to talk about that. How did that go? And what were the things that you saw that made you want to be like those people? Um, there are people that at one point in time, it might not be now, it might be when you're a child, it might be when you are an, um, in your early teens. So who are this? I mean, can you just tell us anyone that you know that you, know, you, you admire so much and you wish you could be like them? Anybody? That's our opening questions. Anybody? Do you want me to call my friends and families? Anybody? Anybody? All right. Before I call, I will, um, I will go by myself. Okay, there's a hand there. But before, I'll go by myself. When I was in, when I was doing my, um, I was in year four in high school, in secondary school, and um, there's a cousin of mine who, when he was in, when he was in form five, I was in form one. That's when he was in last year of high school. I was in form one, and he was in form five, and. The, the, the nickname they gave him was Ongbono, meaning, that's a Yoruba, meaning that somebody that is hot. Now, this guy was not just an excellent guy academically. He was just too good. And by the time he was almost finishing his university, I was in year four. And I used to go to his house just to read, just to study how he studied. Because I wanted to be like him when I finished my school start. Because when he finished his school start, he was well ahead of everybody. And one of the things I discovered with this guy in his house was that, I'm talking about um, 1984, 83, not the advent of science and technology. So this guy had well over 200 books in his library as a university student. And each book, he, he took a notebook. And each book, he, 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 he put a code, like if you say, the, the geoscience of the, of, of, of the world. So he put G-O-W and he put number one. So he, he, he arranged his book in his library, in his cupboard, and he had his, 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 his um, what's it called? He had his, his codes on his table. So when he want to pick a book, he just look at the code and look at what number it is. And he, he counts, one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten, and he picks the book. So when I stayed with him for like, I mean, I was going to his house every day, and I said, wow. This guy is a genius. And absolutely, he, this was, I mean, almost 30 years ago. Not now that you can put things in the computer. And I really wanted to be like him. So I begin to ask him, and I begin to study like him. And I begin to behave like he behaved, which wasn't very good you know, sometimes because he was very arrogant. And he was, you know, so that, that was my experience. But what I learned from him is that he was extremely organized, and he was studious. Organized and very studious. And that was 30 years ago. And I picked a lot of things from him. So now, back to you. So it's not a bad thing to try to be like somebody, but ultimately, we're supposed to be like Jesus. And I'll, I'll tell you what, yeah, go ahead. Anybody, adults, there's a child, okay. There's somebody there, please give them a mic. Go um, when I was in like year one, I was like, I want to be like my mommy. She doesn't like to go to school. She only, um, she, she bakes cakes and she gets to eat it. It's not fair. <laughs> Please, round of applause for her. <laughs> and we're going to get there. We're going to get to that. <laughs> Please go ahead. Good evening, sir. Good evening. 
Um, there's someone currently that I really like, and I like to be like her. Um, she's the general manager of a multinational company. I like her career progression, and I like the fact that she's been able to achieve so much despite her background. And every time I've had the opportunity to interact with her, I live like better than I was before I met her. So she's someone I look up to and I really like her. I know I can't be exactly like her, but there are certain things about her that I can learn. Thank you very much, Katie. Let's give you a round of applause. And that's, that's, that's natural. That's, that's how you have mentors, because you want to be like that. And where we're going to is the first verse that says that a good name is better than riches and gold. Anybody else before we go? Anybody else? Okay, go ahead. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Mine is a very um, a funny example. It happened when I was in, I think, uh, year one, um, secondary school, uh, from one those days. Um, I, the first time, there was this guy that was in my class. He came first in class, and I think I came fourth. And uh, the second time, he came first again, and I came first, fourth. So I said to myself, no, 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 no. I'm, there, there's something this guy is doing, and that I must learn, I must uh, emulate or behave like him. So, ignorantly, the exams of the third term, uh, I, I found a way to sit in a place where I would see him as he was writing his exam. So if he does like this, I would do like this. <laughs> if he turns his head, I would do it to my head. And obviously that time, I think I came seventh or eighth or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pass. Okay, round of applause. So the, the, the thing we're trying to bring out is that while we should admire people and be like them and learn from them, but ultimately we should be like Jesus. And also, I mean, the Bible says that a good name. So when we see those kind of people, that's because, you know, we feel that they represent what we want to be like because of the name or because of what they've ever achieved. So um, to our study, we call it Godly Life, Good Names, and Generous Heart. So we're going to read Proverbs. Um, we've read it, but I want to read in the KJV version. We're going to read 1 to 2, then 4, 9, 16, 22. Please, you can bring that up. So, yeah. So, a good man is rather to be chosen than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is, there, is the maker of them all. Number two, verse two. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Keep going. He that had a bountiful eye shall be blessed for the giving of his bread to the poor. He that oppressed the poor to increase his riches, he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want. And rob not the poor because he is poor, neither oppress the afflicted in the gate. For the Lord will plead their cause and spoil the soul of those that spoil them. And it, I think that's it. So if you, um, if you, I'm going to ask a question again, which is not too bad from, not different from what we talk about. So what do you understand when the Bible says a good name? When the Bible says, you know, call somebody a good name, what do you understand from that? What, how can you describe somebody when the Bible says a good name? Because that's where we want to be. If, if, I mean, the Bible says good name is better than riches, so we want to have good name. So what do you understand by good name? Anybody? Okay, another child. Please give her the mic. Anybody else? What do we, I mean, you've heard it before. Yeah, please. Somebody at the back as well. 
When you say good name, go ahead. A good name is like a title people around you give you or like if you do something good and if you do something worthy, they'll call you they'll call you something special. Thank you. So if you do something nice, people will say you're a good person. Anybody else? Anybody? Go ahead. Good evening, sir. Good Good evening. A good name is like when someone praises you. Just like example, hey, beautiful, hi, nice girl. Those are good names. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's give a round of applause. Pastor Tinuke, go ahead. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, to me, a good name is like a reputation. Now, what comes to mind when people hear your name? That, that's, that's what it is. What's, when, when they hear your name, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Who is this person? What does it stand for? What are its values? You know, that's, that's what a good name is to me. Thank you very much. And, and, and that's it. They say it's a good name. What comes to mind? When people mention your name, what did they remember of you? But ultimately, I say that your actions, when your actions bring glory to God, that's when you can be called, you have a good name. When your actions bring glory to God, that is what, that's when we say you're a good name. And we're going to find out who in the Bible represents that. There are so many people, but just one person, we're going to look at the, the traits and the character of that person when the, and what God did to that person. That's, and that's what we're going to be reading of Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 4, if you bring it up. So in Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was the captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, 3 o'clock, he had a vision in whom he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said, Cornelius stared him in, in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Here, God recognizes Cornelius as a good person and a good name. And what are the things he has done? He was worshiping God. He was devoted to God. And most importantly, he was doing what? He was doing good to the poor. So if you look at all those verses that we read and we combined together, God was saying that both the rich and the poor, that he is the maker of them all. Now, let me tell you something. In the presence of God, the soul of every man is equal. Absolutely. The soul of the president of the United States and the soul of a maid in a village down anywhere in the dungeon in Afghanistan, their souls are the same in the presence of God. So, for you to be called a good name, what it means is that you are devoted to God, you are doing things that God will glorify God's name, and some of those things are what, what, what we read there, and that is what Cornelius was doing. So he, his actions brought glory to God, and God visited him. And that's a different story, you know, he wasn't speaking in tongues and all that, and God visited him. So for you to have a good name, those are the things that you, we need to have, to have a good name. You know, the pastor said on Sunday that the world is broken, and absolutely so, extremely broken. The world is turned upside down. Now, when people have money, they tend to buy themselves favor, and they tend to buy, buy themselves good names. But I tell you something, in the presence of God, 
no matter no matter no, no matter amount of money you spend, amount of favor you do, you cannot buy favor from God. The only thing that gives that will give you favor from God is obedience, acceptance of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and doing the things that He wills or He will it or God wants. So. For you to be called a good person, you have to follow the way of Christ and the way of the Lord. And that is why the Bible was talking about don't rob the poor, don't cheat the poor. You know, um, pastor said something a couple of months, years ago, and, 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 and I'm hoping that someday he's going to do it. Because we need to test ourselves. He was saying that he's going to ask everybody to bring their maids and, and staff to the to church. And we're going to do... Um, um, we're going to do a survey, but it won't be an open survey, an anonymous survey. And we're going to find the average of the survey that we are. Because really, we need to, as, as, as children of God, we need to demonstrate how do we treat people that are around us. That's the question. How do we treat the people that we have around us? And I have in my note that one of, one, one of those things, that a measure of our generosity is how we treat the people that are less privileged than us. You'll see that. They'll bring that up. A measure of their generosity is how we treat the people that are less privileged than us. And also... Um, you know, men and women and generally people, we look, at the, we look at the face, we look at the body, but it's only God that sees the heart and he only him that knows and sees the heart of men. So God knows, God sees and, and, and sees the heart of man. So whatever that we do that does not bring glory to God, then does not give us a good name. So for us to have a good name, we need to do things that brings glory to God. So our first um, filling line says that um, it's only God that's um, Sees a, of a person's heart, which God knows and God sees. And then the other one is, the Bible was saying that don't take things unrighteously from the poor and unfairly, I mean, give it to the, to, 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 to the rich unfairly. You know, we cheat people that are less privileged than us. We, we take advantage of them. The Bible says, no, don't do that. If you're going to be a good name and you're going to be a godly person, you don't do that. And we, as children of God, we don't do that. Now, about generosity and giving to the poor. Even the church is commanded. When the Bible says that we should go to the end of the world and preach the gospel, even the, the capital letter C church is supposed to do that just as much as the individual does. Now, take the GFH as an example. We as a church, we set up the bridge for people that are in need and people that want to give. And that's within the church. And also, you heard when pastor said that, we went to my Duguri to go and build a church for a place where Boko Haram destroyed that is reaching the world. That's going beyond our environment. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's what brings glory and glorify the name of God. And as a church, we're doing that. But the question is, as individual, are we doing the same thing? That's the question. As individual, are we doing things? Are we, how are we treating the poor? Now, if I ask you a question, the people that you have met all along from January till now that are less privileged than you in one way or the other, how have you treated them? That's the question. Your driver, your cook, your maid, your servant in the office, how do you treat them? How is your generosity? When you are kind and fair and nice to people of equal status with you, you have done nothing. But when you are kind and generous to the people that are much more, much more less privileged than you are, you have done a lot. That's why the Bible says that, I mean, Jesus Christ was saying that you saw me, you didn't feed me. You see, I mean, I'm hungry. I was not given a food. I need a place to be. You didn't give me. He wasn't talking about himself, but he was talking about that if you do it to any of these ones, he's talking about the people that are less privileged than us in the society. So the question is, how much of that are we doing? So if I ask the question, um, what limits us from showing compassion to the poor people around us? That's a question that we need to answer. 
you know, this, this chapter, there's nothing we're going to talk about in this chapter. I need to say that at the beginning, that we haven't seen from chapter 1 to 22. At one time or the other, 1 to 21, pastor or any of the other minister will have covered some of it. But, so the question here is, and we need to answer it, what limits us from showing compassion to the poor people around us? Question, anybody? Anybody wants to go? What are the, what are the limiters? Okay, I think Pastor Joyce, I'm seeing. Go ahead, man. Praise God. Hallelujah. For me, one of them is attitude and uh, their character. Attitude of the people? Yeah. And, 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 and their yeah, attitude and character, sometimes the way they behave. You actually want to help just at the peak of it, or sometimes you've actually done it, and the next thing that comes out from their mouth is like, wow, you know. All right. Let's give her, let's give her, let's give her a round of applause. So what she's saying is true, but I'll, I'll, I'll explain something, madam. What she's saying is that, especially in this part of the world, we have a big entitlement syndrome. You know, when, when, when people are doing well, the people around them expect that it's mandatory that they need to be helpful to them. I mean, it's, it's, um, that, that's just the way they feel about it. But having said that, you know, um, the Bible says that do not withhold good from them that is due. So despite how those people behave, because what we are doing, we're not doing it to them, we're doing it as we're doing it unto the Lord. Therefore, irrespective of how they behave, irrespective of how they react, we'll still do it unto unto the Lord. In every relationship, the question is, who are we trying to impress? In every relationship, really, the person that we're trying to impress is Almighty God. That's who I'm trying to impress. So if God is whom we're trying to impress, we try as much as possible, though we know we are flesh and blood, to ignore the behavior of those people and do it as if we are doing it unto, unto the Lord. Because even if they don't show their appreciation, God Almighty sees what we're doing. Praise the Lord. So anybody else? Is there anything else? Yeah, go ahead, sir. Somebody. Good evening, sir. Uh, hello. Yeah, go uh, ahead. What I want to say is, um, is the, what I know as a fear of the unknown. Because um, we have beggars in the streets, and majority of them are engaging to these um, people believe in this part of our world that uh, these people are into some kinds of money rituals. So if I give this money to this person and he might likely use it against me, that is what majority of African mentalities, I don't know who sends this person to the street or whatever, whatever, so he can use this money against me. But if we do it out of love, that I wouldn't want to like uh, talk about myself, but I like I'm that um, the kind of person that likes giving whatever I have. So, so far, I can meet your needs. But, and I've come across these people around the roadside, and the big, I just say, God, you know I'm giving this one out of love. Whatever I use it for, let it not happen to me. So mainly, it is the fear of the unknown. They don't know what will come after, after they are giving. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, let's give her a round of applause. So, and I genuinely, your concern is genuine, but here's the deal. I'll tell you what I do. Um, two things. These are secrets, but I'm going to have to say it. Every time I put money in my wallet, I anoint, I anoint, I put anointing oil on that, on the entire note at the edge. 
I do that all the time. Every time I, because I spend cash, I don't usually leave my card. But I put money in my wallet, I take anointing oil, and I put across the note. And when I, there, have been, there has been instances where I will be in, in places where I don't have, the money I put in my wallet didn't have the anointing. I didn't put the anointing oil. I will make sure that I get, if I'm nearest to church, and I'll, I'll anoint the money, and I'll give it to them. Let them take it to anywhere in the world, to whosoever. The God of heaven and earth that we serve is beyond that person. And that's what I'm going to encourage you to do. That's what I do. The other thing, which is very secret, but I'll say it, that I do is that anytime I give money to somebody, I say blood of Jesus in my heart. Sometimes in my mouth. That people, the person looking at me might even see me. I say I give to you in the blood of Jesus. So if you like, take it to any babalao. He will be running away when they take the money. So that's, that's, that's what you can do when you talk about beggars. We're talking about even other people that you don't... And if you, if you feel that way, you can transfer the money to them through account to account. And because of the covering that you have by the power of the Holy Ghost, nothing will happen to you in the name of Jesus. Anybody else? I gave out two secrets tonight. All right, go ahead. And we'll take that last, person, that last um, one and we go. Well, it can be by money. Like maybe the person feels he has too much money so he cannot show compassion to other people. He feels he has too much money that he's rich and he's superior to those those people and those other people are inferior to him. Absolutely. Well, as children of God, we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to use our help to help other people. And that's what Jesus Christ, the Bible says Jesus Christ was doing good all over the place. So we're moving forward. We're going to the next thing, which is depth. Now, um, critical thinking about finances, almost three and a half years ago to four years when we started um, Tribe. Pastor talked a lot on this, but we're going to talk about it. The, the country that owes, I, I mean, as people that owes the most are um, the people from the United States. But I'll tell you tonight, that's where, you know, the, the concept of owing in fact, the grocery you buy, you buy it on credit card, meaning that the money you are going to get to collect, you are spending it. It's, it's, it's mostly in the United States. That's where you have the highest number of people as a people, and also in the Western world, Europe, and all that. But I'll tell you tonight that 80 to 100 years ago, in the early 1900s, it wasn't like that. In fact, in the United States, at that time, people that were buying houses were either buying cash or you pay 50%, and the remaining 50% has to be paid in five years. That's the way it was in early 1900s. It was after the advent of World War II, that, you know, 1945 and above, that the concept of owing, the concept of taking loans, and the concept of owing came into fall, even in the United States and the rest of the, and the, rest of the world. So, so, the, the, the concept of debt is, um, is, is not that old. It's, it's very new when it, comes to, when it comes to owing. So the question I have tonight is that if, if anybody wants to take quickly before we, we go, is it wrong to, is it, I mean, is, there any, is, it, is it biblical wrong to owe or to, to borrow money? That's the question. Anybody? Is it wrong to owe? Anybody wants to go from all that we have learned, the pastor taught? Is it wrong to owe? All right, Elizabeth. 
It's not wrong to owe, but it's wrong when you don't want to pay back the money. I mean, it's not wrong to borrow, but it's wrong if you don't want to pay back the money. Okay, all right. It's not wrong to owe. That's what Lizzie said. Anybody else? Any adults? Does anybody want to take? Anybody? From all that we learn, is it, is it wrong to owe? Anybody? We're so quiet tonight. All right. Um, if you look at the Bible, and um, please put up, bring up this, this scripture, Proverbs 22, verse 7. The Bible says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, this is the Bible saying that when you owe, you are actually like a slave to the person you are owing. Now, if you go through the Bible, there's nowhere, no point that the Bible says that it's, that, I mean, it's forbidding to owe. It's not written anywhere at all. But having said that, does it mean that it's the right thing to do? I remember Pastor Shina explained that when he got married, he made up his mind that he was never going to owe. In fact, the Bible never said we should never borrow. But the Bible went ahead to bless us and to say that, and we're going to read that scripture, to say that, we, you know, encourage us not to borrow, but rather to, to, to be a lender. If you go to Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 and 12, Deuteronomy 28. So the Bible says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his command, I will give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. Then verse 12, the Lord will open the heavens and the store of his bounty to send rain on your land in season to bless all your work of your hands and you will lend to many nations but we borrow from none. So the Bible says, so the blessing of the Lord did, I mean, did not encourage us to borrow. So really, we should not be in debt. But I know that in modern day, people borrow for businesses. And Pastor has said that there's nothing wrong with that. If you borrow for investment, but if you borrow out of living, out of your means, then it's absolutely, it's absolutely unacceptable. We should not be in debt. We should not take money just to live a life that we cannot afford. We're supposed to live within, within our means. And one of my notes, I said, debt is not prohibited in the Bible, but the absence of debt is praised by the Bible. And that's what we just read. The absence of debt, meaning that we're not supposed, debt is not prohibited, but the absence of debt is praised because the Bible says we should be lending to nations and not borrowing from nations. Debt forces trades off and must be paid back. Now, if you owe as a child of God, you must pay back. You must pay back. That's what the Bible says. If you owe as a child of God, there's no way around it. We must pay back. But in, 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 you know, because the world is broken, just as Pastor said, in this modern day, people will owe and owe and owe, and they will not, they will, they will not pay it back. And that is part of giving God a bad name. Because if you are a child of God, you should not, we should not do that. Psalm 30, I mean, bring this word, Psalm 37 verse 21. The Bible says that the wicked borrows and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. So if you are borrowing and you are not paying, then you are wicked. You are, you, then you cannot be called a good name. You cannot, be, you cannot say you, are, you have not bought, brought glory to God. So our actions, in fact, those are the part of actions that we will commit that will bring, you know, will not bring glory to, to, to God's name. Now, I, I, I'll share a short story talking about giving to, I mean, God's glory, um, our actions bring it God's glory. So four years ago, um, my son was changing school to a full Christian school, 100% Christian school. It's called Christ Center Prep College. That is Christ development for the child first before academics, and they do all the other things. So when, when, when he was going to go to that school, the school doesn't have 
any office or representation in Lagos. And they are not in Lagos. So what they did was that they contacted a school in Lagos and they told us to go there and take him there to go and do the entrance exam for the school. So, so that a teacher there can watch him while he does the entrance exam for the school. And that's what we did. So he went there, he did the exam, the school, the school conducted the exam, we just dropped him off, and then we came back, we picked him off, and then the, I mean, he passed the exam, and he went to the school. Now, he spent four years in that school um, prior to going to university. And of the four years that he spent, because of his behavior, of the things he did, and the things he supported, and the actions he took, the school were extremely pleased with him, and they kept on saying, please, bring us another Adelaide. If you have any other Adelaide, let them come. So because of the reputation that he has, his actions brought glory to the name of the God. Of God. Yes, hallelujah, we thank God for that. So those are the things we're talking about. And guess what? So we're trying and attempting to let my daughter go to the same school. And here's the deal. The school called us, and they sent us an email with the questions and said we should conduct the exam for our daughter by ourselves without any supervision. So that's because his brother has built a reputation that these people will not lie, they will not, um, they will not cheat, and, and we conducted the exam. In fact, I can tell you that when we're going to conduct the exam, I conducted the exam, and I thought that, and I, oh well, so you're missing that you think I'll be too strict. And I thought that this is what we do. When you are doing exams in school, what do you do? You give the child the question paper, and you tell them, read the instructions, right? So there, there are four examples on the exam. Read the instruction, and then once you finish reading instruction, after two minutes, then I start timing you, and you do the exam. Now, my wife said, no, that's not how to do it. As you, you, should, you should time me from the time you give it to him. I said, no. So you think I was going to be the most strict? No, I wasn't in this case. <laughs> so, but we conducted the exam. So it's a good reputation and a good name that any built with the rapport of the school that led, led to that. So what we're saying is that our actions needs to bring glory to God anywhere we go. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, we're moving forward. We're going to our next um, set of verses. Please bring it up, 5 to 8, 11, 13, 15, and 28. And we title it, Parenting and Something. So, thorns and snare are in the way of the forward. He that doth keep the soul shall be far from them. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, it will not depart from it. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity, and the rod of his anger shall fail. He that loveth pureness of heart for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. The slothful man said, There's a lion with, without, I shall be slain in the street. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of corruption shall drive it far from him. Keep going. That's, that's the last one. Okay. So, those, those verses that we combine together, he's talking about parenting and he's talking about other things that don't do this. If you do this, this is what will happen. If you do this, this is what will happen. Now, when it comes to parenting, I'm looking for a word. Oh, he brought it up already. Shouldn't have brought it up. Okay. I was going to ask that what's the word? that goes along with parenting. And he, he, I mean, they brought it up, discipline. Now, I need help. This one, we're going to talk about it. The word discipline, 
that word, discipline, is one of the most misunderstood words globally, worldwide, not in Nigeria, globally, extremely misunderstood. Pastor talked about it about three or four weeks ago when he's talking about you know, punishing a child and, and correcting the child. But tonight, I want to ask a question, and we need to interact. I'm going to call names if you don't answer. It's really parents. What do you understand by the word discipline? Let's talk about it. When you hear the word discipline, what do you understand? Um, children, just hold on. I want adults. What do you understand by the word discipline? Yes, sir. There's somebody here. Anybody else? Please raise up your hand. I need two or three definitions. Go ahead. Um, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. I think uh, what I understand by the word discipline is um, training with love. Yeah. Thank you. Training with love. Let's yeah. give, uh, give me a round of applause. Training with love. Somebody, yeah, give it to her. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What I understand is um, putting the child in order. Putting the child. Can you explain that? Correcting the child. Correcting the child. Yes. Putting the child in order. So when he does something wrong, you woes them. That's what you understand, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Anybody else? Go ahead. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, I think the etymology of the word discipline has to do with discipleship. So if you are the parent want to discipline a child, it's supposed to be do what I do, not just what I say. So that discipleship part has to be there. Absolutely. A round of applause. So, so the, word, the word discipline is actually from disciple, from the word disciple. And discipline, please put it up, is, is um, to study, learn, train, apply a system of standards. So when, we are, when the Bible says train a child in the way to go, it doesn't mean that, what it simply means is that we apply discipline. And the discipline is a daily occurrence of training, of, I mean, doing something repeatedly over and over again. And Pastor Balaji says something, not what I say, but even sometimes what I do. My wife has shared this before, and I'll share it again. In 2012, we're living in a different part of the world, and my daughter was struggling with maths, extremely. Especially clock, you know, she couldn't just get the clock right when they do it in words, and she was struggling. And then my wife just sat her down one morning, I think on the weekend, and said, look, okay, if you want to do well in life, and you really want to do well, and live the kind of life that we live, and travel, you have to know maths. Do you understand? You have to be good at maths. There's no way around it. Oh, she said, oh, really? Mommy, that's what is really bothering you? Oh, well, you don't have to worry. All I need to do is, when I grow up, I'm going to marry a man like my father, who is rich, and I don't have to work, just like you. You are not working. The unfortunate thing that my wife wasn't working because she wasn't allowed to work, not because she didn't want to work, but all my daughter saw was that, because we pray, in, we, we, we pray in tongues at night, and when we're praying at night, when it's my daughter's turn, or I pray for her dad when he goes to work, I pray for my, my um, Inia and I when we go to school, God will help us, and I pray for my mom when he goes to shop in the mall, that God will protect her, God will keep her. Because all she sees was, you know, her mom going for lunches, and, and uh, so what we do, the kids are, work, are watching, and that's the training that the Bible is talking about. The tra- it's not the discipline that, you, it's when discipline a form of, a form of a correction is just when they disobey. But that's not the training. The training is what do you tell them, what do you regiment them to do? The footballers, you know, they make a lot of money. Yesterday, it came out in the news. It came out in the news. Um, Messi made $111 million last year. 
Ronaldo made $109 million last year. Now, let me tell you something. Especially the ones that played in Europe and played in the UK, they train four hours a day. And the training in the morning starts from 7 o'clock. And at 7 o'clock in the UK in the winter, it's freezer temperature, minus something. And they go out and train in the, in the cold. They go home for lunch, and they come back in the evening, and they train again. And the special one amongst them, like Ronaldo, stay back extra two hours. That is the discipline that we're talking about. The discipline we are talking about is to consistently do something, repeatedly learning it over and over again. So when the Bible says, train a child in the way it will go, it's the discipline of, of con- consistent self-control. Some of my notes, you see that I said that um, the word discipline is from the Latin word dis- disciplina, which is like disciple, meaning instruction and training. It is derived from the root word discrete to learn. So, to, to, to be disciplined to learn. When the Bible says, don't do this, don't do that, or, or the verses that we combine together, it's saying that put yourself in control. Put yourself in a learning control. You know, that is, that is the, that's discipline. For you to do anything in life, the pastor said they were doing small things, big differences, that everybody's disciplined in one thing or the other. I mean, if you are disciplined at eating chocolate every day, that's discipline. You're constantly doing it. Yeah, you are disciplined. So, but the question is, are you disciplined in the good things? So to train a child, as the Bible says, it's not about beating them and, and, and all that. It's about what do you do? I mean, how do you, how do, you do it consistently? That's the, that's the meaning of the word discipline. Discipline is not obedience to someone else's standard, but it's and, or to above, I mean, avoid punishment. In fact, when you are disciplined, then you, are, you can't have any commitment to anything if you are not disciplined. You can't be committed to come to try every Wednesday if you are not disciplined about it. So commitment and compliance are totally different things. You can comply, but the, the, higher, the higher ground is discipline, which is commitment. Say, I go on the road, this limit is 70, I'm going to remain at, at, at 70. That is commi- that's, that's the discipline. That's the commitment. Praise the Lord. Disciplines help avoid distractions and give you grit and self-control. So, um, I was reading something somebody sent to me a few days ago, and I was really impressed. It's about goals and objectives of somebody else um, that, that were having mentorship discussion. And this individual has a note, has a time of the day for social media. Say, between this hour and this minute, I'll go through my WhatsApp. Anything after that, I'm not doing it. Now, I'm not against people using it for business, but that is what we call discipline. It's regimenting, taking your time, schedule, and, and do it day in, day out. Day in, day out. That is what discipline is all about. In fact, there's a word, you can go and Google it, um, that I have, I have it in my notes. Um, I'm trying to look for the Effortful inhibition. And what it means is that, you know, I mean, just give it to these people, the Western world. And the reason they are better than us is just about discipline. If you go to a meeting in those parts of the world, when they say it's 7 o'clock, when it's 2 minutes to 7, everybody's seated. So effortful, um, effortful inhibition, what it meant is the, the, the United States Medical Library, and they had a lot of money at the, 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 the medicine, um, the medical library in, in the United States. They had a lot of money at one time, and they had to do a research. And the research they did was they look at people and say, what makes people to be extremely effective 
in their daily work. So they, they, they took like 10,000 people and they followed their routine. They followed their, what they do, how they do it over a period of time and they look at their results. And what they discover was that what they call effortful inhibition, meaning that the most successful among them re, de, decide in their mind when there are opportunities to do the wrong thing, they say, no, I'm going to do the right thing. They will, fall, they will, they will strengthen their, their mind and say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do the right thing. Because it's so easy to do the wrong thing. It's easier to sleep than to walk. It's easier to gist and talk and just play than to do real work. It's so easy. If, you are, if, if you're going to be a basketballer, or you're going to be a footballer, or you're going to be a, I mean, a, I mean, a weightlifter, you have to go to the gym consistently, consistently. So what they discovered was that what they call effortful ambition, that the, the people that take effort to consistently take away their distraction and not follow the way of their distraction and follow the way of the thing that is important for them to do. And, that's, and, and, and that study was done. So what am I saying tonight, brethren? What we're saying is that training a child is as well as good as training ourselves and doing the right thing. It's a matter of just being disciplined. Every successful person trained or disciplined his or herself to remain focused. Anyone that is successful, they, 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 they are consistently on the way of, of being disciplined or being, or, or being focused. I'm not sure quite a number of you can remember, but I'll, I'll, I'll remind you um, in, 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 in a minute. And Pastor was saying long time ago, I'm not sure if you can remember, you know, when during God with the again service or we're doing service, he comes here and he, he worships and he prays and he gives the word of knowledge and people get healed and, and, and you're wondering, oh, man, this man is anointed. But you don't know the story behind it. He said that when he was living in um, Abraham and Desoya, that in the night, he will, he will be praying, praying to be anointed and fasting and he will be sleeping off. That what he did was he went to the gravel outside his house and he will lean down on the gravel so when your leg is bleeding will you be able to sleep and that's what he did that's what we call discipline that is training i want this thing how bad do i want it what am i going to do about it so all the verses that we read that don't do this don't do that don't do this the bible is saying make yourself a disciplined person once you are disciplined on anything that you want to do, you put your focus on, everything will fall into place. Um, another story I would like to share is um, about three weeks ago, we went to see my daughter in school. She's 14 years old. And she, so as soon as, fortunately, it was just about when we got there, she was wailing and crying uncontrollably. Apparently, they gave them hard work, painting, which is soft um, painting, using really. Um, water painting, I don't know what they call it. And in a set, in a year, her was the best. So, but they didn't tell them, they told the parents that, look, we're going to have an exhibition and we're going to do an auction. But they didn't tell her that, you know, those paintings were going to be sold. So they took the painting to an exhibition and an auction. And parents were present. And we didn't go because they didn't tell us that you know, so we didn't just, and it was on a Saturday night. We had service, so we just decided not to go. So, but guess what? Her painting was the highest bid, and somebody bought it for 80,000 naira. Now, so I, but that's, that, that's not the story. So I went, so, so we consoled her, and we found the person, we tried to find the person that bought it, that would take the pictures and all that. And then I put that across, aside, and I said, 
Pastor says you have to learn from everybody. So I asked a question. I said, how did you manage to do this thing? You know, how, I mean, how did you get to do it? And she said, Dad, you know what I did? They gave us three, three weeks notice for the painting. And I made up my mind that, and I know that people will wait the last week to, to do the work. Now, what I did was, every time we finish school, I'll go to the art room and I'll spend two hours. And at the drop of two hours, I'll leave it. And I did that consistently for three weeks. And by the third week, I was done. And people were rushing. That is how mine was able to be better than the rest of them. So the question is, that is, you have to, we have to plan for God. That is, for me, I mean, I learned that from her. That that's discipline. Consistent. So she made up her mind that, okay, I'm going to do this thing every day for the next three weeks, and I'll be done. Not wait on the last minute. And that's what discipline does. So discipline builds good character, and God is more interested in our character than our comfort. And I can, I can tell you that to be self-control is to be disciplined, which is one of the fruit of the Spirit. If you read Galatians 5, 22 to 23, we don't have time to read it. You know, the, one of the fruits of the, one of the, fruits of the, um, the gift of the, I mean, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is, um, is um, what's it called? It's um, self-control. And that's discipline. Another word for self-control is discipline. So the Bible is saying, you know, it's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit. So for you to be, to, to be disciplined, to be able to do all the things that we can do. So praise the Lord. And for you to be disciplined, there has to be obedience. You know, for you, I mean, obedience is a big part of helping to be, to be disciplined. So I have a question quickly. What, why is it difficult for us to be disciplined in anything that we do? Adults. Why, why do we find it difficult to be regimented? To, because when we talk about it, then we can, we can, we can, we can discuss solutions. Why is it difficult to, to be disciplined? Anybody? Anybody wants to go? Adults. Are we all, so we are all disciplined in the right areas. Why is it difficult? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, we got two hands or three hands. Go ahead. Uh, praise God. Good evening, church. Um, I think it's difficult because um, discipline involves self-denial and it comes with pain. Most times. Praise God. Thank you very much. Let's give God a round of applause. It comes with pain. One of the things in my notes, and he just reminded me that I didn't want to see, is that in life, absolutely, on, every, on anything, everybody will bear one pain in life. Everybody will bear one pain on anything that you are doing. Is that the pain of discipline or the pain of regret? There will be a pain on everything that we do for everybody in life. Is that will bear the pain of discipline? Or the pain of regret. Thank you for bringing that up. That is my note. I didn't. Was, I can't remember. I, I don't think I read it out. Anybody else? Yes. Somebody else here. Please, can you give him the mic? Is when the, um, we like a feeling um, like out of uh, procrastination. I should have done this. Okay, I want to do this, but I want to. Let me say, I'll keep it for. Let me do it tomorrow, and you dump your work and keep it for like an hour. When you come back again, you come back to remember, ah, I have something I should have done, but let me keep it again. So, on, on that note, com- continuously, we lack the grace in order to uh, meet up with our work. Praise the Lord. Well, I won't say we lack the grace. We, we lack the grace, because the grace is always available by the blood of Jesus. We lack the, and I agree with you. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I'll do it next tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next tomorrow. 
two things that when I remember that, because, yeah, you know, what um, our sister said, MC, was that the pain. The two things that I know that I have done and one I still do that was extremely painful, but I'm glad I, I did it, and the other one I'm still doing. The first one was all my true five years in the university, Monday to Friday, every day, I go back in the evening to read whatever that I learned that day. Every day, Monday to Friday. Sometimes I'll play soccer between four and six, but by seven, eight o'clock, I'm in class. What we did that day, I must do it. The only exception is on Saturdays. Sunday evening, the same thing. So, and that's consistent. The other thing I do now, for, I'm not a morning person. I don't like, my preference waking up time is seven o'clock. But I wake up at between five and 5.30 every day. It's, it's extremely painful, but I've done it for 25 years. So, it's, it's the pain of discipline. But does it bear fruit? Absolutely. Praise the Lord. So finally, the, the last set of verses we're going to, we may not be reading, I'll, I'll just, I'll talk to you, where well, we're going to read it. It's, we call it Life Wisdom, verse 17 to 21. Listen to the word of the wise, apply your heart to my instruction, for it is good to keep this saying in your heart and always read on your lips. I am teaching you today, yes, you, so you will trust in the Lord. I have written 30 sayings for you, filled with advice and knowledge. In, the, in this way, you may, not, you may know the truth and take an accurate report to those who sent you. Bottom line, what the Bible is saying is um, meditation on the word of God. Do not let this word of the Lord depart from your heart. Meditate in day in, day out. Um, um, Joshua 1 verse 8. So, and we we'll talk, and pastor has talked about that over and over again. The second thing he was talking about is um, 22 um, verse 24 to 25, association. I call it association. Don't befriend angry people for, or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. I'll tell you a quick short story. 25 years ago, 20, 23 years ago, when I started working where I'm working right now, well, actually, I, I served with them, then I went to work for another company for about a year and a half, then I came back. But during my service year, and also the early part of my, of my working, uh, there was a gentleman who was my supervisor. He was actually the one that hired, hired me, um, a Caucasian. Now, I wanted to be like this guy, and I associated with him, and I, and, and I was like him. This guy wakes up at 5 o'clock. He reads. We have, at that time, we had about eight operations going. He will read. Each, 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 each report has about maybe 500 words and numbers. He will read eight. That's 2,000. He will read eight of them at 5.30 in the morning, and he comes to the office at 6.30, and we have a meeting at 6.45. And when we have that meeting at 6.45, he doesn't have his notes. But if you make reference to any of those reports, the guy will tell you what happened, how it happened. His brain was magnetic, and he was extremely smart. But he had, he had unimaginable temper. And what happened is that when people make mistakes or people are, are not doing well, the guy just goes, just goes off the roof. So over time, I, so I, I, was, I said, how does this guy do? So I would read the report over and over again, and I, and I mastered how to read the report, how to understand if I helped him in my early career, because I just wanted to be at the guy. But guess what? I began to behave like him slightly. When we go to meetings and people make mistakes, I run them down. But fortunately, three or four years later, we merged with another company 
who didn't tolerate that. So what the Bible is saying is that the pastor says you are an average of five people that you surround yourself with. Even why some things might not be obvious sins, but because you have treated yourself with them, you end up copying those things. So praise the Lord that will not copy bad things in the name of Jesus. And the fire one says, do not make a promise you cannot keep. Um, we don't need to read that. He was talking about being shorty for other people. We read it in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. When pastor was teaching that, that don't make shorty for people if you cannot pay for them. In fact, the Bible goes against you standing in for people. Except it's something that if they don't pay, that you can pay. Praise the Lord. I think we've come to the end of our teaching. Any question? Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.